Hello, everybody. We welcome you to our Sunday morning roundtable discussion, which is being recorded from the Plainfield Christian Science Independent, Plainfield, New Jersey, the United States of America. And thank you all so much for joining us this morning. And we will start with our morning prayer. I'm reading two excerpts from page 204 of Divinity Course and General Collectania. Do not look to matter to tell you your success, but look up, for your harvest is right at hand. You know the Father's love, trust it. And when you hear a whisper, now you are a sinner, and so and so is your punishment, the suffering is the consequence. Put it out. Put it out. Animal magnetism says you are a sinner when you know you are not going deliberately to work to sin. Then empty your thought of fear and say, I look to God, my Father, to see what I am. He alone shall tell me of myself. Oh, may you feel the touch of the spiritual idea that is the light in your path. Mary Baker Eddy. It's beautiful, thank you. And now the watching point. Watch number 409. Watch that you do not pray to God to come down into Egypt to extricate you from its clutches. A chicken cannot pray for the mother hen to come into the egg to help it to hatch. The mother tenderly watches over it while it performs its simple part to peck open the thin shell. God provides us with the ability to reduce so-called intelligent matter to husks so that we may turn away from it and start on our journey to his house, which is really ever-present mind. Prayer is our effort to turn away from matter and to draw nigh to him. Then the promise is that he will draw nigh to us. Man's part is to rise from the objective to the subjective, from the belief of intelligent matter to the consciousness of mind as supreme and all. While God's part is to destroy the false evidence of sin, sickness, and death. God says, my child, if you do your part in rising above matter as having any life, truth, intelligence, or substance, I will reward you by taking away all erroneous manifestation. Mrs. Eddy once wrote to a student, quote, do you find any difficulty in healing? If so, strike for the higher sense of the nothingness of matter, unquote. Also, in her first rendering of the spiritual interpretation of the Lord's Prayer, she wrote, quote, and truth will destroy sickness, sin, and death as it destroys the belief in intelligent matter. You must not believe that the part you have to play is material, which, if you do faithfully, God will do the spiritual. It is better to say, 
that God will take care of the material if you are faithful in doing the spiritual. Do you want me to read page 395? Yes. Okay. This is Science and Health. Like the great exemplar, the healer should speak to disease as one having authority over it, leaving soul to master the false evidences of the corporeal senses and to assert its claims over mortality and disease. The same principle cures both sin and sickness. When divine science overcomes faith in a carnal mind and faith in God destroys all faith in sin and in material methods of healing, then sin, disease, and death will disappear. Thank you. Okay, comments on that? Well, thinking about the chicken pecking its way out out of the eggshell, uh, Gary has been recording the first edition of Science and Health, and yesterday in the readings it said, to let oneself out of this nutshell, we must understand the scientific relationship between God and man. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it was funny, the use of nutshell. And and on the bulletin board, I didn't bring it today, but Mara wrote about chickens coming out of the shells. I thought it was interesting they used the word thin shell, which is encouraging to remind yourself because I don't think, I think that was very deliberate use to remind us that it may think, feel very thick and for, <laughs> intimidating, but really maybe how you think about it. Yeah. Well, and that gets back to, I think, her advice. Rise, rise above the thought that there's anything to matter that is thick or difficult. Yeah. I'm like the mother chicken watching over the chick hatching. And I was thinking that's what God does. He watches Mm -hmm. over us. He doesn't desert us if we're having a problem or anything. He's right there loving us. Yes. Yeah, I know I've heard of the example of the eagle who, in teaching her eaglet how to fly, she puts it on her wing or her back or takes her soars way up high and then drops drops the <laughs> bird, the little oh. bird. And then, yeah, well, then, that's right. If it's having difficulty, it swoops down under it and catches it. Otherwise, if it's doing good, she lets it fly. Let's it fly. Mm-hmm. So there's so many beautiful examples of nature. I've been grateful for those of you who have testified about the, whether it's a hawk or a donkey or a fish, <laughs> whatever it is, the examples of nature that encourage us and show us God's love for his creation. So, yeah, and, and I like, the less you think about the matter, the better off you are, and that, that's what this is bringing out. You take care of the spiritual, and, and God will take care of everything else. Absent from the body, present with the Lord. Um, and we're going to get into it more what, what this, because I know a lot of people have difficulty with understanding this matter concept. Um, and there have been those of you who have asked me how to pray for uh, what's going on in the Ukraine. 
and honestly, there's no better prayer than the one that we have that follows our watching point every week from page 49 and watches prayers and arguments. This is Eddie. Hear, O Israel, for the Lord our God is one God. You are not to come in your own name to pray. You are not to control any mind. You are to come only in the divine strength and know that God will rule and does, and that hypnotism and evil minds cannot and do not end or governments. All power is God good. And then this is my only formula to Christian scientists for prayer, and God will give you faith that will remove mountains. It's very powerful, and it's very impersonal, which is always the best way to pray. We get too involved with who's doing what and why, and <laughs> sometimes it's it's not good. Right? So keep it impersonal and know that's the truth. Whatever the problem is, it's it's hypnotism, mesmerism, not the truth. And it's a waking up process. All right, our subject today is matter. And Lil, you can read the golden text. Better is the poor that walketh in his righteousness. In his uprightness. I'm sorry. In his uprightness than he that is perverse in his ways, though he be rich. Okay, any comments on that? <clears throat> that word perverse, um, I looked it up, and it's distorted from the right, obstinate in the wrong, cross, petulant, contrary. And then Carrie sent me one from definition from Gill's that um, one that halts between two ways or makes use of them both, sometimes turns to the one, to the right hand, and sometimes to the other, to the left hand, or that pretends to be the one and walks in the other. <laughs> Have you ever met somebody when no matter what you say, they take the opposite side? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Actually, a, a foolish medical term I've heard for that is defiant disorder or something. Like defiant that. disorder. <laughs> yeah, and that that honestly that would keep you out of the kingdom of God, because even if you're hearing the truth, you've got to take the opposite side. You just can't. It is a contrary state, and so it's saying better. You know, even if you're rich, if you have that, you're better to be poor. <laughs> And uh, upright, upright. Your yes, very. I found a word in the dictionary: wicked, wicked for pervert. Mm -hmm. well, well, there you go. Mm -hmm. So, so yes, watch yourself. Don't always be taking the opposite side just for the people think for the sake of argument, or it maybe makes them look smart if they always know the opposite side, or they're being broad-minded. I don't know what it is, but I, it is a human carnal mind. It's not God. Well, they do call it the devil's advocate. Oh, right. You don't want to advocate mm -hmm. for the devil. <laughs> you do not. You do not. In, in, in this word, though, I think it makes one, you're arguing for the very thing you want to be free of, I find, in, in some cases. It's like, no matter what you say, to contrast that, you know, to bring the thought of you know, the truth to the situation. The argument is, you know, just emphasizing the lie. And it's 
mortal sense, isn't it? Really, it, it is. You're arguing for the wrong side. You're arguing against yourself, and it's it's not good. Um, in the prayer, it it said something to the effect that God alone shall tell me of myself. Yes, yes. And that's a, that's what you listen to, not all these opposite things and get that get you all mixed up. So um, I think uh, one of one of the things I'm finding is like when say growing up you were told certain things and it it appears again. Uh, now we are learning who we really are. So that's what we take and you know contrast that. Like Mr. said, he tells us. You know, to always say the opposite of those that lie, that talking. But I find that, you know, because it comes again, uh, then you, you you tend to <laughs> emphasize that. I don't, I don't feel God's love, you know, I was never loved and all that again. And it's really arguing for the wrong. It is arguing for the wrong, which we never want to do. So, not... Not any of us to be perverse. In Science and Health, it brings up about Job. Um, I heard of thee by the hearing of the ear, but now my eye seeth thee. Carrie sent me something about him, about Job in a 1908 issue of the journal, by Bliss Knapp, where he says, So good a man as Job regarded his sickness as the buffetings of Satan and not of God. And he sought his release through a better understanding, not of his disease, but of the power of God, the truth that makes free. He was exhorted to acquaint himself with God and be at peace. And finally, he cried out, I have heard thee by the hearing of the ear, but now mine eye seeth thee. And he was healed. So you see, he stayed on the right side. He argued on the right side. Many people, when they get sick or have a, a, a difficult time, they blame God. They're mad at God. They don't, and they're they're turning on the very thing that will help them. You see, Job never did that. He knew he needed a better understanding of God. And you see, the other way is perverse and wicked, and it'll keep you out of the kingdom if you blame God. And rah, rah, rah. But if you know it, it has nothing to do with God. And you need a better understanding of God, then you will find your release. And the people that voice that are the ones that Jesus would put out of the room. Yes, that's right. That's right. Right, because it was perverse. And the I guess the point of the golden text is it's it's your state of thought and relationship with God that matters in your life is not the size of your bank account or how much you matter you own. Yeah, thank you. And, and this is certainly the the theme of this lesson. It's, it's not about matter and your purse and how much you own and um, all of that. It is about how much of the Christ you know and express. There was, I like the, uh, was yesterday's calendar about seeking occupation, we may not find it. Seeking God occupation is inevitable. Bicknell Young. 
it's always about God putting God first in your life and then all these things shall be added unto you whatever those things may be and in the story of the man who wanted to inherit eternal life first he made the mistake of calling Jesus good right <laughs> I mean that's a very important lesson no man is good God is good then he did everything he was supposed to do, obeyed all the commandments, did everything he was supposed to do, and then Jesus asked, well, sell all that you have. And he was sorrowful because he was very rich. Now, what is the meaning of that? Nothing should be so important to us than our walk with God. Thank you. That's it. We put it all on the altar. Just as um, Abraham put Isaac on the altar, he didn't actually have to sacrifice him in that way, but he had, he had to be willing. There could be nothing more important to him than God. And God tests us in that way. And actually, I listened. Jeremy had put on the calendar, was it, I remembered, I thought it was a, testimony Florence had given, but anyway, it was one that I had given about if thou would be perfect, and that was the Matthew story of this story. And um, Jesus says, if thou would be perfect, sell all that thou hast. And I, it's true, in my Bible, I have a, it's a commentary, and I wasn't sure where it was from, but it that that meant, if thou would be perfect, have that spiritual maturity which accompanies a self-sacrificing character. So Jesus was testing him to see if he was going to be self-sacrificing, if he was just seeking this for his own good, his own building up of, of matter, or not. And this is what is required as a scientist we all come here first wanting the loaves and fishes, but as we talked about many times, we must get past that and have this self-sacrificing character. And in miscellaneous writings, Mrs. Eddy writes, what has not unselfed love achieved for the race? All that ever was accomplished and more than history has recorded. It's the only thing that has progressed mankind. You can look back, you can research, and you will find any good that has been done has been a God-fearing man. Um, Linda is doing such a beautiful job with this models of excellency, and that's what she's bringing out in each issue. And what people have you done it on so far? So Junior True, Martin Luther King Jr., uh, this is Eddie, of course, Harriet Tubman, and Daniel from the Bible. Now we're going to do George Washington. Such an amazing story. She was telling us, and, and I hope all of you know George Washington, what really went on with his spiritual journey. Every American needs to know this, every single one, because so many of these stories get tampered with. Uh, we would not have our freedom in this country if it wasn't for him. He, he is he is a, 
a prophet in his own right, a biblical character, and to hear these stories. I mean, I've read a lot on George Washington, but Linda was telling me even more about the power of prayer and and what happened when they were at the most dire points, when they had no food. Tell them the story about the Oneida Indian. That was beautiful. This was in the Valley Forge where they had, you know, there was like thousands of men that didn't even have food, almost naked. And they were ill. They had poor conditions of living, no food. They were starving. It was not just little food. It was no food. And these, and they looked like the war was ended, that they were going to have to give up their um, freedoms. And this wasn't just, you know, the king wanted to come in and, and take over and tell them what church to go to and ta- you know, just control everything. The so king of were, England. king of England. They were fighting. This was the last place they said on earth that there was a chance for liberty and freedom and freedom to pray to God and you'll have your own relationship. And this is what they were fighting for. And these men here, they, they could have walked away. They stayed with him, and George Washington prayed constantly. And there's so much prayer people don't know, and he changed his heart. You know, a lot of people get caught up in the wrong idea of who they think George Washington is. But when you hear these stories, the George Washington was on his knees. He, he had nothing left, and he had no money. I mean, every condition you can imagine, everything. And then he had this vision, and it lifted his spirits. And shortly after that, an Oneida tribe sent a woman and some of the other people with her to bring some corn. And, and she support. was a Native American Native Indian. American Oneida. And they came like six weeks and traveled. And even through dangerously trying to go in around the British because they went right through where the stronghold was. And uh, through winter, they traveled all the way down here. And they I don't know that they even knew he, they were suffering this way. And then they came right after George Washington prayed. And you see that painting of him on his knees. And there's a true story. And they have the, it written of the man who actually saw him there. And this man was anti um, what George was, Washington was standing for, standing up against. He thought he should support the king. And then that changed his heart. And he writes about how it changed his heart. He could see that God was with this cause. Because he heard the prayer. Yeah, even the British have it in their diaries that God is against us. <laughs> but everything we try, and, and then just everything, there was like seven beautiful things that happened. And that, and this woman stayed and helped them cook and and take, this Native American you know, Indian yeah. who, who got and she wouldn't even take Polly and she wouldn't take any money or nothing. Yeah, she and, got the the message to come and help. Oh and and Linda, Linda, each time Linda gets on fire with whoever sure she's do. writing about, absolutely <laughs> on fire. <laughs> and and we're gonna have to at some point bake them into a book, because each one every time. I mean, William Penn. I didn't know all that Sojourner Truth did. There, if you haven't read these, you need to. And and so to give these to our children, the right history of these people, but it goes back to that thought. The self-sacrificing, just what Mrs. Eddy said, what has not unself-love achieved for the race, all that ever was accomplished and more than history has recorded. And I'm sure, I mean, we know here, this is our nation. I'm sure that you all, those of you from other nations have beautiful stories to tell as well for the progress of mankind. It's always been God that's behind it. And it's it's wonderful how Linda gets on fire with these things. So and then Christian Science came Christian, right after yes. this, and everything unfolded, and other and that was meant to be. Yes, that's an important part. 
Yes. All right. So it was interesting because in uh, back to our lesson on matter, um, Jasmine says in her forum comment, if only I could vision existence without matter. All right. So how, how do you do that? Do you feel that way? If you could only vision existence without matter? <laughs> when you have a, you feel God's directing you and have a right idea, don't you feel inspired? This would be like he says, illumined and directed and things move almost effortlessly. And that's the closest mm. that I've found. When that happens, and, and if you pray, you always start with prayer and desire to for the right thing. When we come together, we're working together. We think sometimes, well, not sometimes, but they work so much easier for one spirit. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. I I read recently that, um, you know, all the all the things that people might trade back and forth with each other that money is supposed to be a placeholder for. But I, since coming here, I've learned that abundance is so much bigger than that. All those things that you can't trade money for, you know, like inspiration and, and love and seeing the beauty in the world and everything like that, to me, that starts to really approaching what, um, you know, is beyond matter. So Yes. On page 310 of Science and Health, Mrs. Eddy says, Thought will finally be understood and seen in all form, substance, and color, but without material accompaniments. I've always loved that. That helps me so much. So what are material accompaniments? It's the forms we see that we call matter. Um, it's the finite sense of whatever the spiritual idea is behind it, and I... It's a hint, you know, it's been mentioned before that <clears throat> what we see as a flower, bird, chair, a table is a hint of what's really there. And I sometimes think that to myself, it's just a hint because what's really there is so much more, is the only substance, indestructible, eternal, um, that's what substance truly is, so... When I see something beautiful, or just the harmony in the universe, the um, planets and all that, how it just, it's just a hint of what is truly right there, right? And so sometimes that tells me that, man, this is just a hint. Think of what's really, what's really right there in front of me. Yes, Mrs. Eddie says that in questions and answers and yeah that's right yeah that's right well and and we have to start by recognizing that everything has a spiritual purpose that all law that governs the universe is spiritual and not material and when we get our aligned with the one mind, which is spiritual, which which knows spiritual law, 
and governs everything, then when we look at material things, we can see their spiritual purpose. Mrs. Eddy says, spirit controls matter. And when we and when and when we when we drop down and start worshiping the effect instead of the cause, then we're seeing things incorrectly. But when we worship God and thank God for the provision that He provides for us, which may appear to be material to our eyes. That's because we see through a glass darkly. I don't think things will look that different. She's just saying that. Color, form, outline. I'll still know Carol is Carol. The material accompaniments are sin, disease, and death. That will be gone. Old age will be gone. Perhaps density, uh, weight, you know, the things <laughs> that weigh us down. Because that it, it will be spirit. But we will see. And we will have the vision, the spiritual vision, not material sense vision. But it will be much the same it, without material accompaniment, sin, disease, and death. That's heaven on earth. In, in Martha Wilcox's, go ahead, who wanted to speak? No, I was just thinking of like the rose, right? It, it's so beautiful. Even when it's dead, you know, so-called, and gone, the memory of it is that the beauty that it showed. And for ourselves, I, I like to think that if God is saying we are the embodiment of right ideas, and I think of myself that way up since I learned it, that this is what I am, then the ideas don't die. They don't go away. When somebody is not here anymore, you think of the compassion or the, the love that they showed. That's is forever. And so it, I love the hymn where it says that, and as we rise, the symbols disappear. The symbols will disappear, but the, the essence of what it is lasts forever. Thank but, you. Yeah. Yes. In Martha Wilcox's scientific translation, she puts it this way. If I have a picture of my home, we know there had to be a real home from which the picture was taken. The real home and the picture is the same thing. And of the picture, I can say this is my home. So material objects are mental pictures of realities formed by the human mind. The reality is all there is to the mental picture. The reality and the mental picture is the same thing. And of the mental picture, I can say this is reality. I can say of my heart, the heart I now have, this is divine idea and is perfect. There is only one heart present. My concept of heart does not make another heart. And then, how shall we translate man and the universe back into spirit? We do this by knowing and feeling that spirit, mind, or conscious life lives in all things and as all things, all things are spiritual evidence of mind. This is the scientific statement of being. All is infinite mind and it's infinite manifestation. 
There is nothing but God. Okay. There should be a feeling of infinite tenderness towards the things of spirit, which are here before us, even though we see them now as through a glass darkly. We can never behold the creations of spirit at hand so long as we see things as matter or illusions or nothing and try to destroy them. The work of Christian scientists is to discern the spiritual fact of whatever the material senses behold. Only in this way can man and the universe be translated back into spirit. And then, quoting Mrs. Eddy, spiritual objects are forms of spiritual thought. And, quote, thought will finally be understood and seen in all form, substance, and color, but without material accompaniments. So, when you see something devoid it of sin, disease, and death, and you will see the real beauty of it, and it is right before you. And it is spirit, not, it is spiritual. You are spiritual, not material. And I love what Louise wrote on the forum. Mrs. Eddy, quoting Mrs. Eddy. I could not at once bring myself to write down the thoughts that surged in upon me, that substance was not matter. I would lay down my pen and say, I cannot write it. It seemed so contrary to all my experience, and yet there was the heavenly message. There is no life, truth, intelligence, nor substance in matter. I saw that the true man was spiritual and that the fleshly body was but the false belief of the false material sense. That was reminiscence of Irving Tomlinson, page 125. And then the works I've written on Christian science contain absolute truth and my necessity was to tell it. Therefore, I did this even as a surgeon who wounds to heal. I was a scribe under orders and who can refrain from transcribing what God indicts? And ought not that one to take the cup, drink all of it, and give thanks? That was miscellany. And then here comes in the summary of the whole matter wherewith we started, that God is all, God is spirit. Therefore, there is nothing but spirit, and consequently, there is no matter. St. Paul, that's unity of good. St. Paul said to the Athenians, for in him we live and move and have our being. This statement is in substance identical with my own. There is no life, truth, substance, nor intelligence in matter. If Christian scientists reiterate St. Paul's teaching, we as Christian scientists should give to the world convincing proof of the validity of this scientific statement of being, having perceived in advance of others this scientific fact. We owe to ourselves and to the world a struggle for its demonstration. Retrospections and introspections. And introspection, excuse me. And what did you say about that, Florence? No, I think it's just beautiful. I said that uh, what a perfect goal will pursue. No wonder the statement can heal so much. 
It needs our commitment to ponder what it means in practice to us. I am spiritual, not material. Thank you. Something we have to, you know, daily, you know, declare uh, until we feel it, that this is the truth. Thank you. And I... I urge you all to do this, to work with the scientific statement of being deeply every day, often during the day. This will do more for our state, for our the war in the Ukraine, for the pandemic. In the first edition, Mrs. Eddy makes this prophecy on page 122, and it, it's, it's similar to the prophecy she makes in the uh, current 1910 edition it's just a little more raw i call it but the material world at a future date will become a spectacle of disorder and dismay on one hand and of science on the other there will be convulsions of mind and consequently of matter spasms of error earthquakes famine and pestilence sickness will become more acute and death more sudden but to those who understand this hour as explained in the science of being, length of days will increase and harmony and immortality will be near, even at the door. Now, isn't this what we're seeing? And so what is our antidote? This, our scientific statement of being. So what does it mean that there's no life in matter? What does that mean? Well, it never had a beginning. Um, There's no life in it. It doesn't exist. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> 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 it can't, it cannot be you. Matter. This is what he says. Uh, matter cannot be. Matter is not alive. Matter does not have life. And yet, isn't this what we're taught? Your life is dependent on your heart, on your lungs. Blood. Oh, your blood. Yeah, go through the list. No, this is why we start our day that God is life. God is my life. God is the only life. It has nothing to do with this material sense of organs. <coughs> and yet, the organs in your body all have a spiritual purpose. Thank you. Yes. Translated back into spirit. They all reflect the life that is God. They can't help but reflect the life that is God because there is nothing else but God and his manifestation. You have sight because God gives you sight, not because of your eyeballs, or you have eyeballs because God gives you sight. <laughs> but it always starts with God. Go ahead, Florence. No, I love the fact that now it's like when some someone is born, it's like born of spirit, born of God. This way you know them as a, a reflection of God right from the beginning. Um, I think it's very helpful instead of all this matter shit. So thank you. That Really mean anything? Because that—that's exactly what it means to be born of the spirit, isn't it? Mm -hmm. It means to get your thought to where you recognize 
that your life is spiritual and not material. I remember many, many years ago, M Mr. Evans gave, I don't know if he gave it to a lot of people, but he gave it to a few of us. He said, read what Mrs. Eddy says about materialism. Yeah. Read everything you can find about what she says about materialism. And then come back and tell me what materialism means to you. So I read and read and read. <laughs> <laughs> And I had this convoluted concept of, you know, materialism. And he looked at me and he said, no. <laughs> uh, materialism is merely the wrong way to look at things. That's all he said. When you look at something, do you see it as a limited material thing or do you see a spiritual purpose that God provides and if you see it as a spiritual having a spiritual purpose and being provided by God then you're not seeing it as a material in in, in the in the limitations that materialism imposes on things because it's all mental the concepts that we have about material things are the concepts that mortal mind comes up with that's why it changes all the time mm -hmm. that's why the next one what does it mean that there's no truth in matter you know, the doctors are examining matter all the time and telling us all this stuff that's going on in matter. <laughs> well, there's no truth in that. And it changes all the time according to what they think they see or what, uh, what others think they see. The truth cannot be found in matter. You're going down a rabbit hole. Constantly doing tests and tests and tests. Yes, 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 yes. You go to the doctor's test, we'll test this. If you think there's something wrong with you, man, they, they will test you till they find something wrong with you. <laughs> you will live up to that expectation. Test, test, test. And guess what? They'll always find something that they think is wrong. Mm -hmm. Therefore, you can't be happy. Yeah, you can't right. ever be happy because there's always something wrong. In era, there's always a, there's a multitude of things wrong. That's why we turn away from that. There's, go ahead. Their system relies on keeping you in it. So it does. So it doesn't do any good to, to help you out of it. <laughs> yes, no, tr no truth in it. And as Mrs. Eddy says, it is all an enigma. Yeah. So don't go there. And and and, and, and the truth is, we don't have to go there. And thank goodness we have all these wonderful things to read and ponder. So what does it mean that there's no intelligence in matter? Oh, this is a big one. There isn't. <laughs> and yet they say, what is all this now? Big stuff examining your brain. <laughs> right? Mm. Remember, I think when Einstein passed on, you know, he donated his brain to science. And what did they find? 
They're smaller than normal. There was nothing. They couldn't find anything. They couldn't find anything because it's not in there. It's not. And then what about all this artificial intelligence now? Right? What's the answer to that? People are terrified. <laughs> We're going to be taken over by robots or whatever. God is mind. God is my mind. There's only one infinite mind. Thank you. That's how we start our day. There's no intelligence. Your children, you know, you think, oh, well, they're smart because their grandfather was smart. Whatever they think. No, 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 no. There's mm -hmm. any intelligence. It's because of it's God's wisdom and intelligence. Not because of any brain or genes or anything else. Don't ever go there. Also, matter can't take cognizance of itself. It can't see itself, hear itself, feel, taste, smell itself. It has no cognizance of itself. Thank you. That's right. Mrs. Eddy says that. And she says if mortal mind could be better, it would be better, but it doesn't know how. And then no substance in matter. No substance. <laughs> right. <laughs> your your substance is spirit. That's why it. That's why you can't decay and get old, and your substance is in soul. It's it's. That's why you can't be diseased. Era can't attach itself to you when you're spirit. God is not a corporeal being. And that is why spirit is the only substance. Matter is not spirit. So how could it have substance? It's not it's not spirit. In Mil Mildred LeBlanc's association address, she says, when Mrs. Eddy announced that all is infinite mind in its infinite manifestation, she did something for the human race that it cannot ever escape and which will do more to lift the human race out of fears and limitation than any statement that has ever been made by anyone. This is the power of this statement scientific statement of being it is why we as scientists must as, as all those beautiful quotes from louise we must be working using them developing it in ourselves understanding it more we're capable of this mrs eddie says and, and, and jesus even said it two thousand years ago he said it is the spirit that quickeneth the flesh profiteth nothing and what is it, what does the verb quickeneth mean? Give life. Yeah. Give life to something. Yeah, to give life, to be alive. So this, it's, you know, Jesus understood this. That is how he was able to demonstrate it and prove it to a world that was stuck in materialism. And Mrs. Eddy says in the lesson this week that um, the belief that man has any other substance or mind 
is not spiritual and breaks the first commandment. Thou shall have no other God before me. This is what we always go back to. Because delusion, sin, disease, and death arise from the false testimony of material sense, which from a supposed standpoint outside the focal distance of infinite spirit presents an in inverted image of mind and substance with everything turned upside down. That word, oh, inverted, not perverted, but. <laughs> <laughs> so, so yes, we go back to that first commandment. Thou shall have no other gods before me. The one God keeps us safe. And that me is spirit, not matter. And, and I love in questions and answers, and I've given this before too, but Mrs. Eddy says, you take life, truth, intelligence, and substance from matter, and you can have whatever's left of it. <laughs> so I just love that. You can take whatever's left, you take away all that. And so, but work with these things and see the world more spiritually. And, and yes, and the rest of this scientific statement of being all is infinite mind and it's infinite manifestation for God is all in all. That's why Florence could talk to a hawk and tell it, it monks alone. <laughs> and the hawk, the hawk heard her. But she was talking to infinite mind and it's infinite manifestation. That was beautiful. Yeah. And so, yeah, go about your day. Jesus saw the perfect man, you know, where mortal man saw. Imperfection. Yeah. Yes. And that correct view of man is what healed the sick. So this is what we're dealing with. But we have ample opportunity to use this scientific statement of being. Um, Go ahead, Greg. Matter, I guess, I keep seeing that matter so often says no when, when that's not the answer. It's, it's like an obstacle. You know, your, your hand hurts, whatever. It's saying no, you can't do this. Or, But God say no to everything bad. Mm -hmm. Then you open the door to let God help you or guide. And uh, <clears throat> it's it's... It's uh, really a relief to, you know, then go forward and, and accomplish something. Yes, thank you. Yes. It's also observance of the first commandment. You're saying, no, nothing is true but God alone. God, only God. Thank you. Yes. So, and, you know, it, it ends with man is not material. You are not material. You are spiritual. It's a clear logic, one by one. So work with it. It will heal the world. It will uplift mankind. And this is focusing, what we started on, focusing on the truth, the watching point, on spirit, not on matter, but on spirit. As we do that, and God will take care of all this other stuff that seems to be going on, right? He will. He can't help but. So, I don't know. I've been praying about how to end this today. <clears throat> <laughs> I have so many things. Well, 
I think I will mention as a as a tribute. I heard this week there's a a independent practitioner, one who had been excommunicated. His name was Mark Rubel, CSB. Maybe some of you have heard of him. He did tremendous work, healing work. He did work in Africa. Um, you can look him up and see his uh, what is it? resume sort of a thing. Did you want to say anything about him, Florence? No, he has a website. I'm amazed at the work that he did in in uh, Zimbabwe, uh, a lot of work. And he seems to know the other Christian science um, schools in Africa. But yes. it's amazing the healing work that he did. Yes. And has helped a lot of people who have, I'm sure, become practitioners themselves because of his work. Yes. Well, he passed on this week. And so we're going to read, Gary will read this beautiful testimony of a healing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I just want to say one other thing. Please, please you know, because I've noticed this with Christian scientists when people pass on. Christian scientists do pass on, okay? It happens, right? It's nothing to be weird about. It happens. And and we should rejoice as we were told they graduate. And, and it's okay. It's all right. It's nothing to... Be upset about oh all this whispering of Christian scientists passed on. Well, we all we all graduate sooner or later. And this dear man, he did a wonderful work, and he has graduated. And God bless him. And this is a very beautiful testimony that Gary is about to read, and will bless us all. <laughs> so anyway, this is Mark Rubel. You may have heard about an experience of mine when I was planning to visit Mrs. Eddy's former home in Lynn, Massachusetts, not long ago. I'd never visited any of our leaders' former homes before and hadn't really had any desire to. I felt closer to my leader through following her teachings than through trying to follow any of her human footsteps. But it is important to preserve the accurate history of our leader. And there was a special tour of some of Mrs. Eddy's homes that summer. I made up my mind to visit, but I gave myself one condition to be worthy to visit this home. Mrs. Eddy had taught a number of her classes in this Lynn home, and in all of them, she had ordered her students to go out and heal someone after she had introduced Christian science in the class. My feeling was that the only way it would be proper for me to visit this home was to obey our leader's demand to go heal someone. And it wasn't fair for one of my existing patients to call me for a healing. It had to be someone locally that I didn't know. I prayed, affirming that the perfection of God was ever-present and ever-operative, and that his law or divine science governs every aspect of being. Everyone exists in God, does his will, expresses all his qualities, and can't have any life, will, or activity separate from him. But even with this prayer, no local healing opportunities came my way, before I got on the train from Boston to Lynn. I had no idea how long the train ride was supposed to take, but we made a couple of quick stops soon after leaving the Boston station, and a young couple came in and sat next to me. The husband's face was sunburned, and he had on sunglasses. I laughed because the previous days there had been a huge rainstorm, and I asked good-naturedly where he'd been able to find enough sun in Massachusetts to get such a sunburn. He and his wife laughed too, but then explained that he'd been just recently gotten out of the hospital. 
a month or two before, they'd been walking at night in their neighborhood and some kids had come out of the wind shadows and beaten the man in the head with baseball bats until they had broken many bones in his head. Taking off his glasses, he explained that his one eye had been so badly damaged it could no longer remain stationary in its socket, but rolled around uncontrollably, which I could see. Immediately, I felt horrible about joking with him. Expressing my deep sympathy, I asked if I could pray for him. He and his wife were deeply touched with such a request by a stranger, and they, glad, they gladly assented. I, me, I immediately insisted in silent prayer that this evil had never happened and that he was as perfect as God who made him. This thought took a millisecond. The very next millisecond, the conductor announced the train was stopping in Lynn, my destination. I hadn't realized it was so close. I had no time to say anything. I immediately got my luggage together and ran to the exit, not to miss the stop. Right after I stepped off the train, it started to pull out of the station. I turned back to wave goodbye to the man and his wife and noticed with awe and joy that all the red on his face was completely gone and that the eye that had been rolling around in the socket a minute ago was looking straight at me without any motion. I praised God with my whole heart and thought now I'd earned the right to see Mrs. Eddy's home. This was one of the quickest healings I've witnessed in my healing practice. It was also one of the simplest. I felt like I almost did nothing. It was just a millisecond recognition that God had already done his work and that his perfect work can never be undone. But it's important to remember that healing may be with words, but it's never in words. We need to honestly be trying to live what we know of Christian science and be faithful to it. All our heart's desire to follow our leader as she follows Christ is involved as well. But even more important than all these things is the recognition that healing is never self-generated or the action of the human mind. It is God which worketh in you, both to will and to do of his good pleasure. Philippians 2. Our efforts to heal from the absolute basis of Christian science is literally God healing the case through us. And this healing work has the full weight and authority of his omnipotence behind it. So everyone can heal like this. It's the same God that heals through everyone's practice, as long as they're recognizing the absolute truth of perfect God and perfect man and seeking to honestly apply it in their lives. End quote. His legacy lives on. Thank you all for joining us today. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.